0: I often think we don't need any more than the children's spot. <laughs> that always just moves me, just those little kids' faces and how beautiful they are. But sorry, I am going to share with you God's word. I don't need to say sorry for that. The title of my message today is Who Do You Say That I Am? My introduction, as I have prepared this sermon, it's grown from one sermon to three parts. And it could be called the three M's. The man, the message and the, me- the method. Firstly, the man who is Jesus, the message, what he wants us to believe, and the methods, how he wants us to believe. So the series could be called Who, What and How. But today, the man. My sermon title, Who Do You Say That I Am? The starting point, Matthew 16, 13 to 15. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. How confusing. How confused people can be. John the Baptist, Elijah, dead man coming back. Jeremiah, another dead man coming back. One of the prophets. Jesus said, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? The question to answer today. Who is Jesus? Who do we say that he is? During an interview, you'll often hear the words, Now, that's a good question. Well, a good question requires a good answer. Our question today is a good and important one. It requires a good and important answer. If we went out in the street and quizzed people, who do you say that Jesus is? We would get a confusing lot of answers. What answer do we give today? Judge McDowell in his book Evidence That Demands a Verdict, chapter seven, the title, The Trilemma, Lord, Liar or Lunatic? In answer to the question, who is Jesus Christ, I read, Jesus considered who men believed him to be of fundamental importance. C.S. Lewis, who was a professor at Cambridge University and once an agnostic wrote i'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him they say i'm ready to accept jesus as a great moral teacher but i don't accept his claim to be god lewis says that is one of the one thing we must not say a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil in hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. So Josh McDowell says, we have three alternatives in answering the question, who is Jesus? He was either... A liar, a lunatic, or the Lord? Let's look at this good and important Q&A. But firstly, you want to go to Romans 10, verses 1 and 2. Paul speaking. He says, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to Israel. My heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous about God. They're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Now in my recent visit to Israel, it confirmed the fact that the Israelites or the Orthodox Jews have a real zeal for God. Men and women were praying, reading the scriptures at the Western Wall, at King David's tomb, in the synagogues. Even in public places, you just see them praying and reading the Old Testament. The sad thing, they reject Jesus as the promised Messiah. Sadly and wrongly, they've accused Jesus of being a blasphemer, an imposter, and at worst, Beelzebub, the lord of the flies, in fact, the devil himself. They await an anointed, kingly, pol- political strongman will deliver them from their enemies and establish his kingdom, their nation Israel, as the authoritative power and capital of the world. That quote from Romans in the Message Translation says, The Jews are impressively energetic regarding God, but they are doing everything exactly backwards. Now, it's not only the Jews who have different opinions about who Jesus is. Muslims are also zealous and have a strong, and let me say wrong, opinion of Jesus. The Quran, Surah 19. Those who say the Lord of mercy has begotten a Son preach a monstrous falsehood at which the very heavens might crack. The earth break asunder and the mountains crumble to dust that they should ascribe a son to the merciful when it does not become him to beget one. Surah 5. Unbelievers are those who say Allah is the Messiah. Allah is just their word for God. Allah is the Messiah, the son of Mary. For the Messiah himself said, children of Israel, serve Allah my Lord and your Lord. He that worships other gods beside Allah Shall be forbidden paradise and shall be cast into the fire of hell. None shall help the evildoers. Unbelievers are those that say Allah is one of three. There is but one God. And they do not, if they do not desist from saying, those of them that disbelieve shall be sternly punished. The Messiah, son of Mary, was no more than an apostle. Other apostles passed away before him. The confusion is a little closer to home. Don't know whether you read in the advertiser this week. I did. Monday, November the 12th. Religious choices of our leaders. 13 Australian Prime Ministers have identified as Protestant. Seven Prime Ministers have identified as Catholic. The current Liberal Prime Minister is a Pentecostal Christian. Five prime ministers have classified themselves as agnostic. They're unsure of the existence of a divine being. They are Billy Hughes, Harold Holt, John Gordon, Gough Whitlam, Bob Hawke. Julie Gillard identifies as an atheist. There have been varying degrees to which each prime minister adhered. Some nominal Christians only, just saying they're a Christian but know nothing about God. Jesus and the Bible and others regular churchgoers. Our suggested street on the quiz would no doubt add to the confusion. So we can have zeal without knowledge. Job confirms what we read. We can have opinions without knowledge. They're everywhere. We can have knowledge that this isn't true. Hosea says we can be destroyed for lack of knowledge, destroyed for lack of knowledge of the truth. And so we can say it's not enough to be sincere because we can be sincere but sincerely wrong. We can be zealous but lost. Now I want to quickly say the sincerity of the Orthodox Jews and the Muslims and others Is commendable. But revelation of God, the truth, is needed to bring light, life, and true freedom. Okay, to bring the subject into focus today, Paul shares his concern. Just reading to you from Corinthians, he said, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He says, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. He's saying, you guys, you need to be more careful, more discerning or you may find yourself following a false Jesus. Again, the message translation. It seems... That someone shows, if someone shows up preaching quite another Jesus than we preached, different spirit, different message, you put up with him. You don't discern it. But if you put up with these big shot apostles, why can't you put up with me? Paul says. At least I know what I'm talking about. So there are two messages in what we just read there Paul's warning and advice be sure you're following the real Jesus and beware of big shots. Listen to what Jeanette Haley says in an article with the heading Exposing Deception. The problem with countless people today who call themselves Christians is that they have never been properly discipled, made students or followers of Christ. They've been moulded in conformity to church creeds dogmas and religious ideologies, but they lack understanding and knowledge of the real Jesus. Sadly, in his place are many unscriptural false Jesuses, made up of people's vain imaginations, perceptions, and ideas. Now, obviously, those comments relate to the three Ms. The man, who is Jesus, the message, what he wants us to believe, and the methods, how he wants us to behave. But today, Let's answer the Jesus question. Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Let's get our zeal on track, on the track that leads to life. Let's get Jesus right. Let's get the right Jesus. How are we going to do this? Simply by looking into God's word. I'm going to look at quite a few scriptures, so please stay with me. But my prayer is that these scriptures will bless us. Firstly, let's hear what Gabriel said to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you were to call him Jesus. There's something in that very name. We'll come to that in a minute. He'll be great, be called the son of the most high. Maybe God is going to have a son despite what we read in the Quran. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's uh, He's going to be a king a descendant from the line of David, which he was. He will reign over Jacob's descendants. That's Israel forever. He's, he's going to live forever. His kingdom will never end. Let's hear what Gabriel said to Joseph. She'll give birth to a son, your fiancee Mary. You are to give him the name Jesus. Why the name Jesus? Because it means God saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. Let's hear What the angel, maybe Gabriel again, along with the other host of angels that appeared in the sky, hear what the angel said to the shepherds. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David... Bethlehem, a saviour, a saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. He's the saviour, he's the Messiah, he's the Lord. Let's hear what Simeon had to say. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means the comfort, the coming of the Messiah to save Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God said, Sovereign Lord, you have promised as you have promised. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I, Simeon, what a great old guy. And, and what a story he had to tell. Hey, guess what? I nursed baby Jesus. And in heaven, he probably said, Jesus, remember when you were a little baby and I nursed you? <laughs> He'd make a joke. But, ah, let's move on. I'm going quickly and stumbling my words. What did John the Baptist have to say? He said, I baptise with water, but among you stands one you do not know, Here's the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's kind of saying this Messiah is going to be a pretty amazing person. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptised. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Let's hear what Peter said. Remember, Jesus asked the disciples who people were saying he was. And they said, okay, who do you say that I am? Peter's answer, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let's hear what James said. You know who James is? It's Jesus' brother. You know that Jesus had four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas and Simon. Not the Judas who betrayed him. And he also had at least two sisters. We don't know who they were, but the Bible says, and his sisters. So he didn't just have one. He had more than one. What did James, his brother, say? James, servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say that about your brother? This is amazing. James was an unbeliever. You know, we read that he was questioning whether Jesus was for real. But by the time Jesus had died and risen again, James came around and he said of his brother Jesus, a servant of God, the Lord. He said, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of my brother. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Next we go to, can you believe it? Demons said this. Just the man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even this demon, he, he, he knew who Jesus was. Let's go and look at another one. Whenever the evil spirit saw him, they fell down. That means the people that they were dwelling in fell down before him. and The demon cried out, you are the son of God. Let's hear what the centurion who guarded the cross, the crucifixion said, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. I learned something this week. I used to always think it was just the centurion that had that revelation. But the centurion and all the other soldiers who were guarding the crucifixion site and observed all they saw... Jesus' behavior, uh, heard Jesus' beautiful words, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, Uh, heard the earthquake and saw the duck. Together, collectively, all the soldiers said, Surely he was the Son of God. They got one thing wrong. Wasn't just was, he is. He is the Son of God. Hear what God the Father said, Jesus' baptism. I'll read it while it's coming. No, I won't. Yes, I will. Is it coming, Dave? Not coming. Okay. God, the Father, said, As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, God said about Jesus, This is my Son, whom I love With him I am well pleased. Words of a proud father. Let's go to Jesus' own words. John, most famous scripture in the Bible. I have often read that and thought it's John 3.16. John has said these words about Jesus. But no, if you read it, it's Jesus saying these words about himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Yes, we can all be sons and daughters of God, But he is the son in a very special way. He's not only a son of God, he's God the son. Whoever believes in him, Jesus says, will not perish but have eternal life. He's saying, I'm God's one and only son. Believe in me and and I can gift you with eternal life. John 10.30. Pretty plain. I don't need to add a word to it. I and the father are one. John 8.58. John 8.58. The computer's going slow. Here we go. John 8.58. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was, I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Now those words, I am, have a special significance. Remember when God said to Moses, Okay, Moses, I want you to leave the Sinai, head back to Egypt. And tell the Israelites that I'm going to deliver them from Egypt. And Moses said, Well, uh, who will I tell them has sent me? And God said, Just tell them, I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And so we've picked it up and we say, God's name is I am. He's I am. I am. No more than no less. And so God's name, in a sense, I am. So Jesus is saying, before Abraham was born, I am, he was expressing the eternal nature of his being and that he was one with the Father. Now these words of Jesus, the I am statement, warrants things that he went on to say. You know, he said, I am the bread of life. He's the sustenance of life itself. He said, I am the light of the world. He's the life and the truth, the light of the world. He said, I'm the gate. I'm I'm the, the gate to salvation. I'm the way home. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one to follow and I care. He said, I'm the true vine. He's the giver of life spirit. He said, I'm the truth and the way and the life. He said, in fact, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the giver of eternal life. And here's one. Did you notice this? Did you notice this? That in his very question, who do you say that? I am. (laughs) I wonder, I guess he knew it. He was, it was kind of all wrapped up in there. Who do you say? I am. Now, it's getting near to the time to decide. Is Jesus a liar, a lunatic? Or the Lord. Let's hear one last word from Jesus. Have we got Matthew twenty-six? Jesus is now in the high priest's house. You know the high priest's name? Pie face. I mean Caiaphas. Sorry. Sorry about that. He's in Caiaphas's house. I charge you under oath by the living God, the high priest said. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Yes, it is you say, Jesus replied. Let's pull some things up. I love this. Romans 9 5. We don't read don't need the first part. I just I just think this is a great summary. Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. That's it, folks. Christ, he's God over all, forever to be praised. Amen, so let it be. I want us to consider one other point, and we're going back to Matthew 16, 15, 16 and 17. What about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who's in heaven. See, in our understanding of who Jesus is, it's not just a matter of brain and brawn. It's not a matter of our greatness, our intelligence, but it's His grace. Yes, we're responsible to ask, seek, and knock, but we need a revelation from God. Can you hear Jesus knocking? Can you hear Him knocking? We should open the door. As we do that, he'll come into our lives and point us to the path that leads to life. It's not enough to know just who Jesus is. We need to make him our saviour, Lord, and friend. Friend, you say? We haven't read about him being our friend. We've read about him being Messiah, the saviour, the son of the most high, God, the Lord. Well, friend... How good is that? We can be his friend. He wants to be our friend. See, the L stands for both Lord and love. The Lord's heart is full of love. Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. So I've called you my friends. Now he's talking to his disciples. But if we are followers of Jesus, I believe these words apply to us today. There's a line in the Bible that really moves me. When Jesus, Judas, not his brother, the Judas disciple, came to the garden of Gethsemane, To betray Jesus. And he came with a crowd. Who were armed with swords and clubs. He came to Jesus and kissed him. These words of Jesus always move me. Jesus said. Friend. What do you come for? Jesus knew what Jesus was about. But he still looked him in the eye. And said friend. Do what you come for. My belief is. That if Judas hadn't just had remorse but repentance, he could have received the forgiveness of Jesus and God and been with the Father. He wouldn't have had to commit suicide, but even had he, he would have gone to be with the Father. Sadly, I don't think he did that. Jesus said, well, he was accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And he said... He said, look, if the load's getting too heavy, come to me and I'll give you rest. He's saying, I'm gentle and lowly of heart. Come to me and you'll find rest for your soul. I am gentle and humble. He wants wants to be our friend. I love the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God got in prayer. See, Jesus loves all people. Leaders and leftovers. The strong and the strugglers. The confident and the confused. The saints and the sinners. In other words, you and me. But we might say, isn't making Jesus Lord of our life a big call? handing over the reins of our life to another person, isn't that a big call? The answer is simply yes. But he doesn't take away what is good. He wants to enhance our lives. He wants to make us all that we can be as decent human beings and, man, we need his help. Matthew Henry, the Bible teacher, says, No person has ever lost by serving God with a whole heart. And didn't Jesus say it's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy? I've come that you might have life in abundance. What a difference Jesus makes to our lives. He guides us. I don't know about you, but I need his guidance. He gives meaning and purpose. Thank you, Jesus. He gives us worth. He encourages, comforts, fills with hope. There's a plan for our future, an eternal future. Okay, my concluding thoughts. Everybody has a story to tell, but how sad if it doesn't include Jesus. I was informed just about two weeks ago that a neighbour had died. Then I felt the challenge. I thought, I wonder if he knew Jesus. And then I felt another challenge. Well, why didn't you take time out to just share that with him as opportunity prevailed? I don't know about you, but I read the death notices in the paper every day. You've heard me say before, I used to read the sports pages and then I got intelligent and read the political articles, but now I go straight to the death notices. Because <laughs> people my age often feature there. It's very moving to read those notices, and I can't help but read them. Sometimes with a tear in my eye and just say, did they know Jesus? I wonder if anyone spoke to them about Jesus. It's been my privilege as a local church pastor to officiate at both weddings and funerals. Weddings, joyous occasions. Funerals, sad occasions. The last 20 years, I ministered at 60 funerals. These aren't just pieces of paper. They speak of real people. I don't throw one piece of paper away. And often I just get these out of my file and I'm reminded of the person and often moved because they've been my friends, beautiful, faithful supporters of this church and and faithful Christians. What a difference makes when you take a funeral and despite the sadness there's a joy that you know that the person you're speaking about is in God's everlasting arms. What a difference it makes. I could tell you so many stories. I just want to tell you about Edna 94 years old. I won't tell you her surname. She wouldn't mind but I won't She used to tell me all these amazing stories. I'd laugh and I'd cry when I'd visit her in the nursing home. She told me when she was a younger woman, one night she was walking alone and through a park and there was a group of men. As she walked past, one man came up and took her arm and he said to her, I will be your escort. And she said, it's okay, I already have an escort. He looked around and said, I don't see anybody. And she said, I walk with Jesus. He said, good night, miss. Your company is too good for me. It fits my sermon. It's true. Jesus is the one and only full of grace and truth. There's none like him. May our zeal be built upon God's revelation of truth. May our Jesus be the Jesus of the Bible the truth, the way, and the life. Three responsibilities. If the real Jesus, sorry, three responsibilities that we should embrace. Firstly, make this Jesus our Saviour and Lord and friend. If the real Jesus is our Saviour, Lord and friend, we need to tell others about him. To illustrate this responsibility, I wanting to look at a very short video We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about the Jews having zeal but lacking knowledge of the the true Jesus. Well, when I was in Israel uh, just a few weeks ago uh, with a a group of Aussies, uh, one night on the shore of Galilee, Richard and Carolyn Hyde, Messianic Jews who lead up the Heart for God Ministries, shared with us. They have moved from the USA to Israel to share with the the Jewish people who Jesus really is. I just want us to listen to the response of the Jewish people when they hear about the real Jesus. Let's roll. The majority of Jewish people have been blinded
1: from recognising their own Messiah. Because of events like the Crusades and the Holocaust, many Israelis are disillusioned with God and have a distorted picture of who Jesus really is. What if we could see Yeshua, Jesus, without all the cultural accoutrements? What if we could see him for the very first time? What would our response
2: be? Wow, this is This is the Jewish the i this man. a great i a now is the time that God
1: is opening the eyes of his people in Israel like never before. Make a difference. Help us tell his story here in Israel.
0: Challenge number two, if we know the truth about who Jesus is, his lordship and his love, we need to share that with people that don't know him. The third challenge, the final words of Peter in his second book, 2 Peter 3.18, challenge to us all, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. (coughs) Amen. We're coming to communion now. And what a great way this is to honour Jesus. What a great way to honour him as Lord. What a great way to say thank you. Thank you for what? For coming to show us God's love, to show us the way, the truth and the life. Of course, the climax of his love for us was demonstrated as he died on the cross. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That always worries me a little bit. God made him who had no sin. He had no option at reads light. Not so. Jesus was in on the plan. He willingly died for us. He demonstrated his love for us on the cross. Of course, we know the good news. The grave couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead. He lives for us. He wants to, us to live for him. I simply made the statement under our first responsibility. If we understand Jesus is Lord, Saviour, and Christ and wants to be our friend, we need to, if we have that knowledge, we need to make him our Lord, Saviour, and friend. How? Well, he's knocking. He said, I stand at your door and I'm knocking. We need to open the door, invite him in. It doesn't hurt to say sorry for my selfishness and sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you rose. Thank you that you love me. We make the decision to please him in how we live. If you haven't done that before, you can And we can all let him know this is our heart by taking communion together today. The bread represents his body that was broken that we might be healed, repaired, whole and heavenward. His blood was shed that we might be cleansed from sin and right with God. You ready to answer the question he asked us? Who do you say that I am? The answer is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't it great if we can say, my Saviour, my Lord, my coming King, my friend? Invite the Musos to come, communion stewards. So, if what I just said is you, and you've never opened the door and said, Jesus, I know you're the Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you want to be my friend? Take the bread and the cup today just to let him know you're wanting to be a follower, his friend. But let's all take it. with Thankful hearts. Let's sing. Thanks, music team. the religion out of what we're doing today can we use our spiritual imagination can you hear Jesus knocking he is let's all open the door and invite him in he says if we do that he'll come talk with us eat with us be our friend He's here with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. May I be your spokesman for a moment and say, Jesus, thank you so much for loving us, even at the cost of death, but we are so glad you paid the price for our sin, but we're so glad you triumphed over death and rose again. Jesus, we just want to say thank you today for coming from heaven, being born as a baby, and growing, and at your baptism, hearing your own Father in heaven say, This is my Son, I'm proud of him. Jesus, we're proud of you. We honor you as Savior and Lord. We count it a privilege beyond description to be your friend. As you requested, We take this piece of bread and this cup to remember you and your love. Let's stand together. And in the very presence of Jesus, do what he requested of us in remembrance of him. Let's eat and drink together. Jesus, in answer to that question, who do you say I am? We're so pleased today that we can answer by saying, as Peter did, you're Christ, the Son of God. You're the Messiah, not only for the nation of Israel, but for the whole world, for us as individuals. Thank you, Lord, that we know you as Lord We know you as saviour. We know you as friend. And we've come to know God, your father is our father. It's a good day. We say thank you so much. Amen.
1: Thank you, Dave. That was a wonderful message. Do we get to hear the next two parts? Are the other two parts coming in coming months? God willing, that's exciting. Thank you so much. Of course, there's the opportunity for you to be prayed for. Um, or to pray with somebody so the prayer ministry team will be here available at the front and also David and um, that's not just for people who may want prayer for their own situation but if you know of a situation or you've got a something challenging happening in your workplace or within your family and you would like to receive prayer for that or you'd like to share um, a prayer of thanks as well with people we encourage you to do that And of course, join us next week. We look forward to seeing you all. You're welcome to stay for coffee and tea and take information about uh, Franklin Graham as well, just along the uh, table there. And a reminder for those involved with Cafe Christmas, with the organising team and also the choir, please meet immediately after the service. We pray that you have a fabulous week and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.